Hey, listeners out there, um, another episode of Coffee with Doc, and today we're very fortunate to have a young man that um, I would say reached a lot of his goals uh, through his life, through athletic training, uh, medicine. He's going to go through his trials, tribulations, struggles, successes, and what a great story he has, uh, not only for uh, young 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 professionals in in the field of athletic training but those who want to pursue a field in health and health care uh, it's got a great story and um, a shout out to uh to all of our our followers we're, we're getting some great feedback over 1300 downloads now and i'm sure with this this position here uh this will throw us over the 1800 no you don't think so i don't think so uh, maybe we'll, we'll see what happens but uh <laughs> Great shout out to our supporters, uh, Lugo Drywall, been a great, uh, great supporter, uh, Shelby Dury, and uh, we're going to kind of get started here, and he's going to basically introduce himself, uh, year he graduated, and his present position right now, and then we're going to, we're going to break it down for, for all of us, so here we go, go ahead. All right, I'm uh, Nash Ramaria, everybody knows me as Nash. And uh, class of 2000, Sturgis High School, and uh, I'm currently a uh, uh, assistant professor of family medicine, sports medicine, and a uh, team physician at Central Michigan University for Department of Athletics. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Nash and I have been uh, very close over the years, and uh, I've, I've followed his uh, his career. So. Um, his family has been uh, great supporters of athletic training here here in Sturgis. Uh, Dr. Amaria and Daisy, his wife, uh, just just super supporters. Uh, always there when I needed them, and I just want to shout out to them and let them know how I appreciated um, their efforts and and never forgot. Never forget where you came from, folks, because in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you came from. So, and, and Nash is gonna, Dr. Nash is going to. Uh, kind of go through that for us. So, um, to year 2000, uh, you graduated June, let's say June 6th, whatever the date was. Um, take us through to today. All right. Okay. Take us through the journey. Reader's Digest version. <laughs> uh, went to Michigan State, uh, uh, undergrad in uh, kinesiology with athletic training specialization. So I wanted to go to MSU to be an athletic trainer. wasn't having any designs of being a doctor at that time. And then, um, you know, that was the first year of the observation year where you had to sit out a year. And I was kind of, I don't know, I, I didn't like that very much because I came from this program here at Sturgis High School. And I, you know, I think I told, I told Tom McCoy, I was like, come on, man, I got to get to MSU and they're going to make me sit out a year. Got to go backwards. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but that's the way that athletic training education was going at the time. You know? So I uh, got into the program. First thing I do is cover football two days. And I was happy because I thought I had football right away and you know, covered football two days. And then right after I get done with two days at the end, they're like, okay, you're being reassigned to men's basketball. And my eyes got really big. And I was like, you mean the men's basketball team that just went to the final four and all them? Like, you're going to put me with them? And, uh, you know, and that's because Tom, you know, at the time he had a lot of respect, you know, for even this program. And, you know, people who had come before me, you know, he knew what to expect. He started high school graduates. So. Uh, you know, got men's basketball. It was my first real assignment at MSU. And that was fun, you know, being 
Tom Izzo's athletic training, athletic training student for a year. You know, you don't think that the athletic training student is going to, you know, be of any kind of big deal to a basketball team. But really, it was a very intimate environment. Two athletic training students, you know, and I was a junior, one of the two of us. And, um, but that was a first fun, that was a fun assignment to have because, you know, right off the bat, you know, I'm learning a lot of rehab. I'm learning a lot about how sports medicine is done at a very high level for elite athletes. And um, that's when I had my first introduction to what primary care sports medicine was, you know, as far as being a team physician and, um, and, osteo- and also what osteopathic manipulative medicine was, what osteopathic medicine was, what being a DO was. I didn't have any clue about any of this. And I met uh, one of our te- a couple of our, a few of our team physicians who were DOs and who were on, you know, osteopaths and uh, osteopathic medical medicine, but also were primary care doctors at their heart. You know, they wanted to get family medicine runs. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. You know, this is pretty neat. And I, at the same time, I was still learning a lot about athletic training. You know, so um, that got me ready for my next assignment, which was foot. Now I had football for real. <laughs> and I had football two days again. And, and then, uh, you know, but then you're back to when you're working at a Big Ten school and you're doing football as an athletic training student, you're not, you maybe not in that intimate environment anymore where you're doing the rehab, where you're getting to know, the, you're getting to know players one-on-one so very big, well. Yeah, because you're doing a lot of the rehab, you're doing a lot of the, you know, holding water, stuff like that, but it has to be done, you know, these right. are the things to get ready for practice and games and all that. So. And Sally Noble, right? Oh, yeah, was a, yeah a Sally, huge Sally We've Noble. mentioned her before yeah. on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jeff Monroe was there, he was my head athletic trainer, yeah. Yeah. me and Jeff. We, you know, we, we had our moments, but I, I would think at the end of it, he respected me quite a bit. Oh, I think he, I, I you know? think he has great respect you know? for you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then I had women's soccer as a senior athletic training student when back in that time when the senior athletic training student could pretty much have a team, you know, and uh, got to, you know, really enjoyed working with women's soccer. And it was around my transition to, from football to women's soccer that I had made a decision in there, you know, where a few of our team positions kind of said to me, you know, you really like this stuff, you know, you're in the room with us a lot. And, you know, I was actually spending a lot of my free time. I was reading osteopathic medical texts in my free time when I should have been studying for whatever class I was actually in at that sure. time, you know. But you were making you know, the effort yeah, to you take you know, extra time to yeah. be with these physicians, yeah. you know, while they were practicing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's going to another level mm-hmm. to try to figure out what it is you want to do. Yeah. So they kind of said to me, uh, you know, maybe you should try – see if you can get into med school. And I kind of said to them, no, uh, I suck at taking tests. Uh, that's not a good idea at all, you know. Um, and then they kind of just said to me, you know, like, you know, your athletes seem to respect you, your coaches seem to like you a lot, your athlete training staff seems to like you. I mean, you know, you can do it if you want to try, you want to put in the effort. So. And it's in the family. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I can at least say that, that my dad was never, my dad and mom were never really, uh, they didn't, and push and hammer right. that on to me. They right. wanted me to find that on my own. Sure. But, uh, that's when I kind of made the decision that I was going to try to get into medical school. And um, I then proceeded to load up all my summers with classes that I needed. So I was essentially double majoring without double majoring. So I was still trying to be an athletic training student, but also I was needing to, you know, get in all my pre-med requirements and things like that. So uh, after that senior year, Jeff and Sally kind of said, uh, you know, why don't you come back and work for us as an intern while you're finishing up some pre-med requirements? So I was the football, I was the first actually MSU football intern athletic trainer. Now they've had one ever since. Is that right? Yeah. Um, 
So I was a, I was an app, I, I took my exam at DC. Um, I was an intern, football, you know, football intern. I think they also gave me like tennis and dance and stuff that people mm-hmm. didn't want to cover. Sure. So I, you know, I took care of those guys too. And, uh, you know, I got to, had a pretty core group of friends that I met along that time who are still my friends to this day, you know, who are like family to me. Um, that was around time where, you know, I met these people and you know, they're still with me to the day. But, um, so that year I took the MCAT, didn't do so hot on it and, uh, decided I was going to give it one more go around. I'll try again. Um, during that time, one of my best friends started working for the hospital group in town. He was kind of the regional outreach director of high school athletic trainers. So he pretty much said, why don't you come work for me at a high school for a year? So I got to be a high school athletic trainer for a year at uh, Portland High School in Portland, Michigan. And that was the year that really made me, uh, we can come back to that later, but that was, that was the year that really made me appreciate uh, Sturges a lot more when I became an uh, athletic trainer at a small high school, you know. Um, and anyway, the, uh, that year, I took my MCAT nice and early, uh, got into my first choice, my only real choice, really, which was Michigan State College of Washington. That's it. Mm-hmm. And uh, put in and, you know, got, was able to finish out that year and started med school. And did med school in uh, five years. And that was, med school was a, you know, that's a story in itself, med sure, school. Sure, sure. And then, a lot uh, of, a lot of know, trials oh, yeah, and tribulations that, along those ways, yeah. but... Everything you're saying mm-hmm. here, and people have to understand it, it's it's the effort and refuse to fail. Mm-hmm. This was something that you wanted to do, so you did everything you possibly could do that you had control over. And this is what is is very is very impressive to me. You're 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 amazing. You're an amazing person. Amazing. No, you are. Don't tell me no. Use you are. Well, I don't. It's funny because like I don't view. I look back on everything I did, and I just don't. I don't. Um, people ask me, "Can you do it again?" I said, like, "No, absolutely not." You know, it's the kind of things you can only do once. You know. Well, there's no doubt. And uh, there's no doubt. So I got through med school, and then I, you know, I wanted to be at a pretty strong family medicine program. That would have made me a very good, comprehensive family medicine doctor, and that's what Sparrow. Lansing is is pretty good. It's one of the better family medicine residencies in the state, as far as making their graduates really well-rounded family medicine mm-hmm. doctors. And you know, I mean, I did a lot of stuff that I didn't think I wanted to do. I did a lot of OB. I did a lot of baby deliveries. I did a lot of mental health, you know, and all those kinds of things. So I did a lot of geriatric health and all. This. So mm-hmm. it was a really good, well-rounded family yeah. medicine yeah. residency. Didn't really deter me from what I wanted to do. Um, I still want to do primary care sports medicine. So my goal after the family medicine residency was to then do what was called a OMM plus one year, which is really a fellowship in osteopathic medical medicine. So I spent one year doing an osteopathic medical medicine resident or fellow. Um, at, at Sparrow? At, at MSU. So at technically MSU. The, the program was through MSU. Gotcha. I still got to do some of my family medicine training at MS. I still got to be do a lot of family medicine clinic at Sparrow even now while I was with it, because the two programs were kind of together. And then in that year, I started interviewing because the next move was to do a sports medicine fellowship year. And uh, I did my sports medicine fellowship. Uh, I got to interview at a lot of great, great places. I decided I wanted to go to a smaller fellowship program that gave the fellow a lot of autonomy, a lot of responsibility, because I just felt like I was ready for it. But you so, had options. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I, had, yeah. I had many places I could have gone. Um, but a place that really stuck out to me as far as the attendings who were there, 
um, the attending in sports medicine and um, the opportunities available to the fellow was a, a program in Novi, Michigan at St. John Providence. And that's where I was a fellow. Um, I was the only, I was, it was a program where they only take one fellow. But that fellow was in charge of an NAIA college completely like so Madonna University in Livonia was my baby, you know, that I was a team physician for them. And, um, you know, I had three high schools that I also worked with, you know, and I had two main ones, but then I helped out with a third. And, um, you know, I assisted with uh, a little bit of um, other kind of like Detroit Marathon and regional, like big regional mass events like that. Um, but also the rotations, the monthly rotations that those fellows would go on really uh, with a lot of leaders in the field, which was another attractive thing about this fellowship to me. So Dr. Jeffrey Kutcher, who's one of the most world-renowned sports concussion doctors, okay. you know, I got to rotate with him for two months, you know, doing concussion management. I got to be with uh, Dr. Rufard at uh, Detroit Medical Center, who's one of the most world-renowned musculoskeletal ultrasound, ultrasonographers learning musculoskeletal ultrasound. So my fellowship was great in the sense that, you know, I maybe there was not a big university name behind me, but I was rotating with some of the best people, you know, in sports medicine. So that it was really, it was kind of a hidden gem, this fellowship, but, uh, but it was really kind of the experience I wanted. You know, I didn't want to just be on a football sideline standing there as a fellow, not doing anything, which you would probably do if you went to a major university to do your fellowship. I wanted to be the guy doing stuff, you know? So this is well thought out. Yeah. It was, well it took, thought out. It took a lot of planning, yes. but, uh, and, you know, things have to shake out well. Things have to... And, um, but then, anyway, after that, uh, I wanted to... My goal was always to be a collegiate team physician. My goal was always to be a part of, you know, the teaching environment, right? Teach med students, residents, whatever, athletic training students. And, uh, you know, also do, some, also do community sports medicine where this community can see me for sports medicine and osteopathic medicine, but also keep my hand in family medicine a little bit. I didn't want to completely sure. abandoned family medicine sure. a lot of sports medicine trainees like uh, you know they'll just say okay i'm gonna do primary care sports medicine and orthopedic clinic and they'll you know, they keep their they're really good sports medicine doctors but they forget a lot of their family medicine training and i didn't want to do that i wanted to keep you know my hand in a little bit so um i kind of reached a point in fellowship where i didn't have a job yet <laughs> and like in, in january of sports med fellowships is when fellows are starting to you know, sign contracts land and, yeah, land and all this, and yeah. I didn't like have anything like that going on, and I'm like kind of a little nervous. So I, um, the plan was always I thought I was going to go back to Michigan State and work. Um, that was at least my plan. Um, you know, things don't always go according to how we want them to go. Yeah, and, but you had a you had a goal. You know, yeah, I had, yeah. had an idea. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm not going to get into a lot of things, but you know, Michigan State has you know had the things going on that it doesn't kind of determined with my family and after talking about it along that it's not the best place. Michigan State will always be home and Lansing will always be home and East Lansing will always be home. And I'm always going to have a lot of friends and family there, and, but maybe not the best place to start a sports medicine career. Sure. And um, then I started reaching out to other universities and I just kind of said, you know, look, I could, I mean, yeah, I'm interviewing. Now at this point I'm interviewing at a lot of other orthopedic clinics and things like that but i was kind of like i didn't want to give up on this being a college team position and people have to understand that being a division one team position in the sports medicine world it's a very hard thing to do out of fellowship like just out of fellowship training like 
if you go and work at a Division One college, it's because more than likely they knew you at some point. So the place that knew me the best, obviously, was Michigan State. And, but if, you, if you've done your fellowship training there and you essentially had an on-the-job interview there for a year, then yeah, then you might get a job like that. But it's very hard to get a collegiate Division One team position job at a place that doesn't know you, a place that doesn't know your fellowship program because it's, you know, it's not a big name. It's not like a Wake Forest or Duke or anything like that. You know? um, so when I started, kind of, I just started emailing people I knew who worked at colleges, and these are, these are like athletic trainers. And I reached out to a few team positions I had met along the way, and stuff like that. And I kind of wanted to stay in the Midwest, but I wasn't locked into the Midwest. I, I was willing to go to a place that would give me an opportunity. And um, I randomly sent an email to uh, Dr. Matt Jackson, who was the head uh, team physician medical director at Central Michigan. I had met him once at a conference, and I just briefly remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I think he's the only guy at Central Michigan. <laughs> I'm like, I, he can't honestly be the only guy there. I mean, you can't honestly have one team position for for, for, for a whole yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, but, but, it was, but, but, it was, but anyway, I reached out to him, and I just kind of I gave him my CV. I told him what I was looking for. Within 10 minutes, he emails me back, and he gives me one sentence of hope. Pretty much said, I think we might have an opportunity here. I'll be in touch. And I was like, uh, okay. Yeah, and he did his yeah. homework. Yeah. And he found out your path, your struggles, yeah. your tribulations, your successes through all the people you yeah. worked for. Mm -hmm. So you created this. You have to understand that. Yeah. Well, you I mean, created this. You went a, out and grabbed this opportunity. A, no, I, I, it, don't make any excuses. <laughs> you went out. And you grabbed this opportunity. You were not entitled. You didn't feel anybody owed you anything. You went out and did the work over and above, and you laid the foundation for this opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what was, it was still, even in the beginning, when he and I finally spoke, which was like two or three weeks after that email, he said to me, like, look, if you need something on July 1, when fellows, you know, when the new academic year starts and you know, your fellowship ends on June 30th, and, if you're looking for a job on July 1, look, I can't guarantee you that. But if you're willing to wait a little bit and let me talk to my bosses, let me talk to my deans at the school and let this play out a little bit, then maybe there'll be something here. I don't know, but I need help right now to see your skills a little bit. Um, I don't know right now, and we have to go through this formally. So in that time, I interviewed at other clinics, sure. and I interviewed at orthopedic clinics, which would pay me way better than what I'm being paid as an academic sports medicine doctor. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you have to understand if you work in academics, that means you, you really aren't in it for the money. You're in it because you really? like what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, you, know, okay. you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, uh, um, so, you know, I had some opportunities, uh, but, um, this was the one that I was really grasping at and every, I was getting a little bit of information every two weeks, you know, and finally, um, after like, I don't know what felt like, six rounds of interviews and uh you know two and a half months three months after i send that first initial email um i get a job i get an offer you know and i pretty much sign you know on the you know right away and they pretty much i said okay now let me have a little bit of time to because i had still it was funny i had i had my place in lansing still because i thought i was gonna again work at msu mm -hmm. and i kept my place in lansing mm -hmm. but i had an apartment in novi where i was doing my sportsman fellowship oh, okay so I had to consolidate things, and then I had mm. to move to Mount Pleasant. I said, okay, I need a little bit of time to move. And we're like, 
we need you we yesterday. Need you, we need you like next week. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, uh, move from two places, you know, in a hurry. Uh, move from my place in Lansing, which I had actually lived at for about six years. So getting to move that place was fun. But um, you know, I I had started two days before our first football game, and I didn't think for one second that in my first anything that I would be covering Division One football right off the bat out of fellowship. But sure enough. I'm on the sideline at our first CFU football game. And I'm just like, I look at Dr. Jackson and I go, I don't know. I mean, I hope you don't need me to do anything major right now because I don't know what I'm doing other than being a doctor. I think, like, people didn't know who I was. Like, that was a funny sure. thing. I had just I had just met the head coach like a week before. Starting is you know. tough. So, yes. But anyway, it was um, first year last year was uh, a lot of learning. You know, and, uh, being an attending for the first time in my life, you know, finally being out of training for the first time in my life. Um, but getting thrown into a fire, which is always how I've learned best, you know. Um, so it was, uh, and then, you know, like I said, we, we made it to a bowl game. And around that bowl game is when Dr. Jackson, God bless him, like I love him to death. He and I are great friends now, but he said to me, all right, well, uh, taking another job i'm leaving <laughs> and i was like uh another what? fire I was like uh, uh what what are you saying right now <laughs> uh so uh guess what uh guess what new guy you are interim medical director and head team physician at central michigan university and i was like what and how could going... one how could one guy do that well, job I, I was just like i don't know i i was i was just you know panicking with a smile on my face kind of yeah. thing you know but um so this last year was pretty fun you know but it was pretty like I said, a lot of on-the-job training, um, a lot of uh, learning how to do the admin side of being a head team physician medical director at a major Division One university for an athletics department. Sure. Still getting to do all the stuff I want to do as far as like doing family medicine in a, in a, at the student faculty clinic, getting to see the community at a community sports med clinic, doing the things that are important to me like covering high school football. Like nobody told me to cover high school football. But it's one of those things that I'm like, hey, on a Friday night in the fall, I feel like I need to be on a sideline sure. high school. Sure. So I went, home, I went to Mount Pleasant High School and I met the head uh, trainer and I said, do you have a position with him? Like, no. Like, do you want one? I'm like, oh my God, are you offering? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, you know, I still wanted to do the things that were important to me. Sure. But like I said, this last year was a little rough because, yeah. you know, I was the only one for a while. And like I said, uh, I told you before this thing started, um, we just hired a... Uh, you know, someone who will be taking over as the medical director and somebody who will be my partner now. And I had a big hand in that process as yeah. far as bringing in someone with great training. Here. And uh, this will help set me up for the, when the day comes where, uh, you know what, I might be ready to be a head team physician, medical director at a major university. Sure. But I had enough self-awareness, I would think, to know that, look, it might not be the time right now. There's still a lot to do, still a lot to learn, a lot of years of experience to gain. Um, and there are a lot of things I want to do you know, as far as my own training, you know, and I want to still get a lot of good training, go into course and things like that. Sure. So um, there'll be a time and a place, and that's an aspiration of mine to do that. So, but uh, right now it was a little too soon. But uh, sure. hey, you know what? I did. A, I feel like I look back on that year and I did an okay job <laughs> as the medical director and made a lot of policy changes and got to help bring in uh, a staff, which is pretty passionate sure. and things like that. So. Um, bringing Central Michigan into the era of, you know, current sports medicine practices and, you know, like uh, helping write our concussion policies and 
So it's been it's been it's been a year of uh, sure. with a lot of firsts. Right, you right. Know? And it takes so. you know when you're changing programs like that, it takes five years. It takes about five years to get it to where you want it, so you can put your feet up and say, you know, this is my baby. I did this, and now maybe you have two partners. Yeah. You know, it's you know, it, this this thing will evolve. Yeah. And uh, the cool thing is, you follow you follow the pathways. You know, and you've done some some speaking on uh, on, on concussion, which is a huge a huge issue um, in today's sports world, not just football. Um, women's soccer, women's basketball, hockey. I mean, there, there are a lot of sports that are that are focuses. But um, and I I followed uh, the uh, the talks that you that you've given, and very proud of that too. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I uh, I did my um, feel like so in, in residency you need to do a residency research project to graduate. And really, I mean, I'm not a big researcher. I don't like research. <laughs> I don't. I'm okay reading research. I'm not good. I don't like doing research. But, but like, um, and everybody and their brother is doing concussion research right now. So like, but one thing that was really kind of stood out to me was, you know, I, I was family medicine, and, and I was amazed with, you know, there's new concussion guidelines that come out every four or five years, you know, from our, you know, international consortium on concussion and stuff, and. And I was just amazed at how many family practice doctors were not keeping up on. Yeah, we we and, felt that. You know, yeah. Well, and I just and I was and this is again now this is kind of speaking to both passions of mine. I'm an athletic mm-hmm. trainer and I'm a physician. And uh, you but know, you're in a perfect position you know, for for that. Well, that's what it was. It was mm-hmm. like I kind of said, you know, let me just do a very simple study. Let me do a survey of family medicine doctors in Michigan, seeing what they know about concussion and seeing what kind of guidelines they're using and kind of just kind of seeing what they do. And, um, you know, it, uh, I was very, I got a really great response on that survey. I got like, uh, I sent out, I don't know, I blitzed Michigan with like, I don't know, 1,200, 1,500 surveys. I got something like, I got about the third back, you know, which was pretty darn good. Yeah. And, um, you know, saw that there were some big gaps, you know, and, and how family medicine doctors, their knowledge of and, uh, and this isn't to condemn any group. It's just to right. say that you know a lot of things are always changing, mm-hmm. and keeping up with it is hard. It's hard you know? because that's not their primary you know, thing. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's, it's not what they do doctor, all yeah, the time. Yeah. I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Family medicine doctor could see two concussions exactly. a year, whereas exactly. another one could see a hundred. Right. Know? But it's such a vital situation right now. The thing that frustrated me, especially in the last four or five years of my career, was how the the state law. And what we were expected to do with the Michigan Athletic Trainers Association didn't jive mm-hmm. at all. And now you throw in a family physician yeah. who doesn't understand, well, there's paperwork to be filled out. Yeah. There's a process. Well, that's what it was. It was like right. I, I looked at the form that the MHSA had, and I was kind of like, this is not adequate. you know. And I said that from the standpoint of an athletic trainer. I didn't say that from the standpoint of a doctor. Bingo. I said that, um, you know... Anyway, so uh, long story short, like um, one thing that my survey, first survey identified was that there's a big disconnect between the physician and the community athletic trainer at the high school. You could be from a suburb of Detroit where there's a lot of high schools and a lot of physicians. You might not know, people might not know each other, talk to each other, figure out a way to talk to each other. Or you could be from a town like Sturgis who 
has a high school, has an athletic trainer, and has a few handful of family doctors in town. In my opinion, I'm like, okay. You know, and the funny and the funny thing is, is I'll rag on my dad for this. You know, like I said, dad, you know, you'll see a concussion. I'm like, hey, did you, did you call Doc over there? So I'm like, Why would I call Doc? I was like, Dad, you know, you got a concussion. You gotta get your athletic trainer, the high school involved a little bit. You know, um, you know that they can do a return to play progression. That he can be your eyes to do that. So and it's funny, and I'm using him and I'm bragging on him, but right. how many positions? How many right. of my own colleagues exactly. that I graduated with didn't know? Didn't that. know. Yeah. So my next study for fellowship, which is a fellowship, you have to do a research study in sports med fellowship, which was a follow-up study huh. to this, which was looking at the barriers to communication between family physician and athletic trainer at a high school. Mm. You know, that survey I didn't get as much as great response <laughs> as the first one. That's the a first, limited, yeah, it's it was limited a, it was pretty limited, but at yeah. this firm time, I had a lot of physicians kind of like saying, what are you asking us here? And I was mainly asking. And there you them, go. Well, and, I, and, and there well, you go. Well, that's what it was. I was like, <laughs> I'm asking you your knowledge of what yeah. you know about athletic trainers mm-hmm. and how to utilize them and what their training is, you know. And, uh, you know, it didn't get big numbers, but I was still able to take it. Uh, I was still able to present it on a national level at, uh, at my AOASM Sports Medicine Conference at the end of my fellowship. And um, it got a lot of good feedback from sports again now i'm speaking at a national conference about this fellowship uh, study that i did and i'm i'm preaching to the choir i'm preaching mm-hmm. to a group of sports medicine right. doctors who, who understand get it. Yeah. yeah but they were just impressed with how family medicine doctors who aren't sports and sure. training, um didn't know the training so they were actually more or less they weren't like impressed with obviously it was a survey study so i didn't do anything earth shattering in regards to my methods or anything but uh, they were just like, wow, nobody's really ever looked at this. That's kind of funny. You know, you would think that somebody would have. At this, yeah, at this time, know, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was just kind of like, well, you know why I looked at it? Because I'm an athletic trainer right. and I'm a doctor. Right. So that's why I looked at it. Right. Speaks it was a big, it was one of the biggest struggles of my career. Mm-hmm. You know, you figure, like I say, the first five years, I think we, we got it where we wanted it. Our student training program was starting to evolve. Um, we showed the board that, you know, we weren't just covering games. We were providing rehab. We were communicating. We were providing an education situation. And it was a struggle to get our physicians to understand what an athletic trainer was. And, you know, and, and I worked there all day long for 28 years. And I would say every single year we would struggle with that. One of our, our students, um, young professionals, Mackenzie Adams, we have this discussion all the time. And, she, what do we do? What do I do to get people? You know, it's, it just takes a lot of time and it takes effort like yours. Well, I just, uh, and I just gave a talk uh, the, at my medical school puts on, uh, you know, a seminar every season. And they had a summer seminar series uh, in Traverse City this last summer. And I gave the, the talk I gave, I was asked, what do you want to talk about? And I'm talking to a group of now uh, NEOs, you know, from around the state who, uh, our pediatricians, or internal medicine doctors, or family medicine doctors, or emergency medicine. Perfect. And uh, yeah, and I just yeah. said, well, let me give a concussion update. Let me just perfect. Let me just call it 2018 concussion update. <laughs> and I just pretty much went through our current concussion guidelines as they're brought forth by the Berlin Consensus Statement guidelines. I pretty much gave them a summary of what those guidelines are, sure. and just said, you know, sure. this is how we manage it. This is how we do things, and. And, you know, it's always going to vary as far as you have a division one level from institution to institution. Exactly. Some parts are going to vary. Yep. But for the most part, identification and management um, should always be the same. We're not talking about doing anything 
earth shattering here and needing a whole bunch of equipment and sure you know having an endless budget no, right we're talking about simple management of how to address congestion you know the whole days of uh just shake it off get back in the game that ain't acceptable anymore right. Right. You, you don't you're not gonna do that you know right. anymore so um so it was it was funny it was it was cool to present it finally to a group of non-sports medicine doctors and they're seeing me now as the team position for central michigan which yeah it was like, okay, this guy, you know, he's at a big institution. He right. might know what he's talking about in regards to getting sure. you know, so. Sure. Um, but anyway, it was, uh, so it was, uh, you know, I feel like I went on this, like, speaker circuit this last year also, yeah. Yeah. which was whatever. I don't know how it ended up being that way, but, you know, I ended up speaking at Matt's, you know, which was actually a goal of mine at the Michigan Athletic Training Society. I got to speak on, uh, you know, osteopathic manipulative medicine techniques for athletes. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, again, I wasn't searching a lot of this out. It was just kind of finding me, and, and it still and, will. Well, it'll, it'll, it'll do that. that. But you know, and you wouldn't be able to tell by this podcast since I haven't shut up since this thing started. But like, I actually isn't that what it's about? Well, but I actually don't believe it or not. I hate hearing myself talking. You know? Who likes to hear that? I don't. I don't, like, I, don't I actually like it annoys me even when I have to get up in front of my med students and I have to do that in January because I I teach at the med school, so I'm going to be teaching the musculoskeletal class and. I have to make my lectures funny and interactive, and I have to get their attention. You don't think you can do that? No, I do that all the time. Oh, I, I don't know. I do because I because I, I remember what it was like sitting in med school. Yeah. To a professor for one hour, who is just going through the physiology yeah. of a cell and, and monotone. And I'm just, and, yeah, and I'm yeah, just like, <laughs> and I'm and you have eight hours of this in med school if you go to lecture, which a large group of my class, a large majority stays at home and listens in their pajamas and online, you know. And, right. And I was a class goer in med school, so I said, from the moment I be got, from the moment I got told I was a faculty at the med school at CMU and I was going to teach a musculoskeletal class, I said, okay, I am not going to be like one of my professors right now. <laughs> I can't do that because yeah. I'm still, I still feel like I'm not that far removed right. from right. being there. Right, know? right. So. One of our, uh, one of your quote brothers, um, and graduated Stern just a few years ago, Luke Kinsey. I did a podcast. And he's now teaching. Uh, he's a grad assistant at Western, doing his PhD and his master's. And um, he's teaching. He taught his first anatomy class ever. He wants to be a college professor. And you know, he asked me, "Well, you know, what what do you think? You know, how do I approach this humor and admit you don't know everything? Yeah. And you'll you'll hook them the first most of them. You'll hook most of them the first day." Some, two or three of them will sit there with their arms folded and look at you cross-eyed oh, yeah. for a while yeah. until until you break in. Yeah. But, but again, it's the personality, and yeah. you have that you have that personality. But you, it's it's kind of like how I approach my classroom. It's going to take a little time for yeah. them to figure you out, mm-hmm. but that's okay because the effort is it's worth it yeah. because intrinsically they become better students. Yeah. No, and they a lot of them gave good feedback to me as a professor. They pretty much said, you know. You, you kept it interesting, you kept it fun, Good. and I learned yeah. a lot from you because, you know, in your lectures, you're rattling off a lot of sports medicine and musculoskeletal conditions that we're probably going to see a lot. They're making connections. You know, yeah. yeah, and they're and understanding that yeah. I'm not up there just to entertain them. I'm right. trying to – I remember what is important in med school. What's right. important is you want to know what's on the test, of course. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's on your board exams coming up. And then more importantly, in my opinion – you want to know what's going to come walking into your office right. commonly. You want to make a you connection. Know? Yeah. So 
the stuff that I said I was going to do. Like, I'm not going to give you a bunch of irrelevant info. Right. The stuff I'm going to give you is stuff you need. Sure. Okay? sure. So uh, it's up to you to you, you remember it how you want to. Right. But I'm not going to sit up here and waste your time on some obscure injury that I've seen once abstract. in my life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Textbook anyway, I think, they, I think they appreciate that. Going into the second go around and me teaching this course in January, we'll see what happens. You get better and better at it. Yeah. Trust me, you get better and better at it. It's it, it's very fulfilling, and I think you have, in talking to you today, even before the podcast, you have a you have that grasp on. It's not what you're teaching them, it's how you're treating them. Mm-hmm. You treat them like young professionals. You treat them like you are. They will always remember you and. And your lectures and your experiences mean much, much more to them. They won't just shut you off. Yeah. They'll always keep you, you know, in their mind, you know, through their through their career. Well, that's the professors that have made the most impact on me. And, you know, the, the doctors who made the biggest impact on me were, you know, people who treated their patients really well, had a deep connection with their mm-hmm. patients, um, knew their professional boundaries of physician and patient mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but also were inspiring in their own way, you know. They don't have to, you know, try to cure cancer or anything, but they were just people, good people first. You know? Sure. Um, people that if you met them at a party, you wouldn't know that they were a doctor, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. Um, even to this day, that that's something that actually annoys me, believe it or not. Um, friends invite me to, like, their parties or their, their Christmas parties or ugly sweater parties. Or and they, Do you have an ugly sweater? Huh? What's that? Do you have an ugly sweater? No. No? I, I, <laughs> you sure? No. Well, I probably do. I don't oh, okay. know. We'll see. Right. But, but like, they are the ones to introduce me as doctor, you know. Oh. And and I don't like that. That that uh, that to me. I mean, I'm sure other doctors would would have their own opinion on it. But I don't want to be defined by my my job. You know what I do. I want, to, I want people to know you as not know me as yeah. yeah. You know, first and yeah. yeah, you're a person first. You know? Sure. So um, that's kind of the same thing, you know, with my patients. Like I, I want them to know that, you know, I'm going to do everything I can for them in my power and my training. Sure. And if I can't, I'm going to find them somebody who can, you know. But every single one of their complaints is from me. You know, I tell my athletes to see me all the time. If it's bugging you, it's bugging me. Okay. So it might be nothing to me. It might be a minor ankle sprain, which I've seen many times. Okay. But if it's bothering you going to bother me and we got to figure it out yeah, together we're figure it out. and that's what they call patient-centered yeah. care yeah yeah, yeah. So, um you know and it's been nice because you know even in my fellowship i would see high school kids and um you know i remember one of them saying to me uh writing me a little thing saying it was the third time i'd seen her for concussion and i was releasing her because she'd done well you know and i was the third time i'd seen her in our sportsman clinic and and she wrote me a little thing saying, I just want to tell you how much it meant to me to have you in the room taking care of my concussion because even though I was laughing and joking, brushing it off a lot, this was very scary for me and you made it not so bad and this was the first concussion I've ever had and it was very scary sure. but you made it seem not so bad and I really appreciate you being like that. And uh, That's payday. That's what I mean. That's yep. what... You don't expect that when right. it happens, but it's nice when it does. Yep. You know, doesn't happen too often. You know, it doesn't. But it does. It you know, happens. We're not in a we're not in a line of work where you're gonna get thanks a lot, but when you get that, yeah. You know, especially you know, like I had a, a CMU football player who you know he was struggling with concussions, 
um, you know, and I just, again, he, you know, he, everything got resolved and he's fine. He's graduating. Um, you know, I, I recently, you know, he was gonna not, this was the last time I was going to see him because he's coming back next semester. And he just pretty much told me, you know, I was, you know, this was a really rough period of life, but I was really happy that you were there, you know, and, um, listening to me and caring about me and I knew I was going to be in your hands. And that, that's what, that's why you do it at the end of the day. Exactly. You don't, you know, for as stressful as my day is with administrators telling me what to do and I don't know, I've lost count of how many different bosses I have, you know, but, at, you know, when, it all, when it's all said and done, you're doing it for that reason. Right. You okay, know. you walk out the door yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you yeah. did the right thing for people, and, and if you feel you didn't, you fix it, that's all, you know. So back to Sturgis High School, yeah. so the um, teachers that, that you had in classroom that had, Besides yours truly. Oh, well, yeah, it was you. It was you. And then, uh, <laughs> that you had that, that made an impact in, yeah. in your foundation. You know, I was thinking about this because I've listened to, I was listening to your other podcast with Mike Dickey and, and uh, Mike Fieber-Corn. And, and you know what's embarrassing, uh, what's really kind of sad on my standpoint, is I remember you a lot. Course, you know, and I remember we spent a lot of time. Yeah, together. yeah, I mean, but I, I remember yeah. band and sure. all that stuff. Yeah, but I have a you have to understand, and the reason I'm saying this is sad is I have a great memory. I really do. I can remember something somebody said to me in undergrad, in high school, in middle school, all this stuff. I don't have that much recollection of high school, believe it or not, which is impressive to me, and that's always. And it's and people will be like, well, you're getting older. You're not supposed to remember stuff. Well, you have to understand. Like, I know I don't consider two, the year 2000 that far away, right? you know. And I don't remember a lot of high school. And I think the reason for that is the only thing I can pin it on is I didn't take enough time stop and smell the roses you know didn't take enough time to enjoy the things that i was a part of and doing at the present time because i was always focused on the wrong things like i was just focused on the future i was focused on things that didn't matter at the time i was focused on what people thought of me so this is and a regret this is a regret yeah this is what is going to come out because i know this isn't a therapy therapy session but it's like but <laughs> far from it well no but it, it's funny because there's a lot that i am thankful for in high school i mean getting on this path of athletic training um being a part in band as big a deal as big a deal as band was to me at that time it was sure i enjoyed you know and you were a hockey player drum, yeah and uh and, and all that and yeah and it's just what's sad is have you this is where, I mean, we're talking about Portland when I worked in Portland. Sure. Like, here I thought when I was in high school that I just had to get out. I had to get out. I had to get to college, do the thing I was going to do next. And, and I'll be honest with you, Michigan State, that was an opportunity that I looked at. I said, I'm going to reinvent myself now. I didn't like who I was, high school, middle school. You know, I was in a small town where everybody knew my dad. Like, very hard shadow to overcome and, like, and people knew my sister and all this sure, other stuff sure. uh, I may not have liked who I was even though I wasn't doing anything majorly wrong or anything I just 
I just didn't, you know, I didn't feel attached very much in high school. So I viewed Michigan State as an opportunity to reinvent myself, figure out who I was. And that's kind of when you do that in college, obviously, anyway. But, um, but looking back on it, because I remember people like Mr. Church and I remember Mr. Sure. Green. And, sure. But I don't, it's funny that I'm looking back at high school and I say I should have more intimate memories of things because I'm like that. I have those memories. I can, like I said, I have a very good memory sure. and I can recall many, many things that people have said to me over years and experiences I've had. But there's like this gap in my like four years of life that I'm like, I, it's fuzzy, you know? No, it's just your, you know, your personal you know, experience yeah. with high school. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that because yeah. that was, that was yours. Somebody mm-hmm. else is somebody yeah. else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, a, that's what, uh, you know, you, you hear people say all the time, you hear people grab kids and they're like, Hey, cherish this time, cherish this time, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, it's not that, it wasn't that, it wasn't like, uh, you're a, you know, a young kid, you have to enjoy being a young kid, it was, it was, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I probably still have this problem to this day a little bit, where I accomplished something that may have been hard to accomplish, may have been really hard, you know, a test that I failed, I had to study over and over again for, and I, and I finally passed it, or getting a fellowship, or getting the job I wanted to like I'm always focused on the next thing and that's not always good because if you're always focused on the next thing that you want to do, that you want to aspire to, you want to accomplish, you're not focused on enjoying what it is you have right now. And I always try to now make it a point to thank people over and over, let people know what they mean to me, what they've done for me. You know, I feel like my Instagram post, aside from being very boring, are pretty much me thanking sure. the people in my life sure. <laughs> over and over, sure. you know, for being my friends, right. for being my mentors, right. for being, I feel like it's just nothing but a tribute. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and I'm not even on social media that much, but it's just like, um, I feel like it's, I always want to let people know what they did for me, where I am, Support. but at the same time, I'm always focused on that next thing mm-hmm. that I want to do. But if anything that I've learned, if I've learned anything from high school, it is, you know, the reason you don't remember a lot of high school is because you weren't focused there. You weren't appreciating it. And I remember, and I know I had good memories. I know, like, being in the pit for Fiddler on the Roof was a fun time. But I don't remember. You don't remember. You know, I know that covering a lot of events as an athletic training student was fun for me. Right. I don't remember. Anatomy class. You know, yeah. You know, I knew I was in anatomy class. You know, and you struggled. Were, yeah, and those struggle. But I knew that, um, you know, I had AP Bio sure. in this bar. Yeah, I don't remember a damn yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, but now granted, that's a whole other reason I don't remember a damn thing. But, but uh, but these are all things that I yeah. that I say that having the memory that I do, yeah. having the should be able to, sure. I well, should be able to easily recall. A couple nice of things stuff. about that. Yeah. Number one, um, I can attest personally. You played a huge role in my whole family, actually, and um, you've always you always come back. You always you always manage. Could be three months, could be six months, eight months. You always come back and say thank you in so many different ways, whether it's uh, recognizing me for, for for some little thing that you did that you know that, that sparked something in in, you know, in, a, in a patient interview or whatever, um, or um, recommending me for an award or, or whatever. I mean, those things I will never, ever forget. 
because again, this is this is why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. This is payday for me, you know, just just an honor just to be here talking with you and, and hearing this this story and um, just kind of listening to, to, to things that are going on in your life that I feel that our program, you know, provided you. You may not remember that, mm-hmm. but I do. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of the things mm-hmm. um, that make a connection to what you're doing today, and that's important to me, and I think it's important to get out to everybody that's listening, you know, for whatever reason they're listening for. You know, they may not know us. You know, there are people in Spain and the Netherlands listening to this. Yes. I hope they, they're still with us after all. They, <laughs> they will be. They will be. But, yeah, I mean, just as a great thank you, you know, and again, you don't know, our, you know, our, our, my kids always ask about you. And, mm-hmm. and and not only that, all of our student athletic trainers, you know, that you created a path for them. You created a path at Michigan State, created a path at Central now. You know, you don't realize that. And I've said this in podcasts before. And I'm like, you know, you know, you're right. I never realized that. Yeah, you did. Mm. Yeah, you did do that. You did do that. Well, I mean, it, it's funny how things just kind of, you know, I look at it like there's a reason my dad randomly chose Sturgis, Michigan to move to when we're living in Warren, Michigan. And he's trying to figure out where to start a practice. And Sturgis, Michigan, it's about a motor. And I remember moving here as a nine-year-old. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to do here? You know. Um, but here is what had a high school athletic training program, and I became a high school student athletic trainer here at Sturgis High School, which was a place known to a place like Michigan State, which had a very elite athletic training education program at the time. So that led to that, and then I got to Michigan State athletic training education athletic training program. That's what introduced me to being a sports medicine doctor and osteopathic medicine. And the number one osteopathic medicine school in the world at MSU. And then that introduced me to Sparrow Family Medicine Residency. That introduced me to my OMM fellowship. And that whole process introduced me to what it was going to be, what I was going to have to do to be a collegiate team physician, which became my goal. And everything that came along with that, you know. So now along the way, you get tested. You get tested. You get, I failed. Failed board exams. Failed classes. Failed exams. I shouldn't admit all this because now people are probably thinking I'm a horrible doctor. <laughs> but I'm just like. No, no, no. no you're, like, you're gaining yeah, respect, yeah, but, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I was just like, you know, you, uh, you know, and I think that the thing that I tell pre-med students twice talk to and even med students I talk to are going through a rough time because med school is not fun for anybody. You know, I tell them I don't go through the whole details of my journey. And I don't I don't go through every single failure I had. But I just kinda of tell them like, you know, if this was easy everybody would be doing it, you know. So it's gonna be hard, you know. And it really tests your resolve a little bit. And at the end of the day no one people might not be able to sympathize or empathize because they see you People who are not in medicine, they just see you in medical school. So you got to medical school, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. I'm going to pat you on the back. Very, very happy for you. But they don't get that getting in is one part. Surviving is completely another beast. And, um, you know, and I had friends who, in my med school, you know, they're going through depression. They're going through anxiety. They're getting hospitalized before an exam because of anxiety attacks. Like, you know, I think, uh, I think when I was a... 
when I was a resident, I found out about a third year med student at the College of Human Medicine in the United States, so the other medical school, the MD school, uh, committed suicide. You know, um, There was a resident at a general surgery program at Sparrow who committed suicide when I was at Sparrow. Um, this is not an easy thing to do, medical training. Right. It takes a lot of patience, and if you have a spouse or a girlfriend or whatever, they have to be really understanding. Sure. You know? So... Sure. Um, this isn't a cup of tea. This isn't like no. a scroll in the woods. So no. um, I tell people all the time, like, you know, when I was trying to get into med school, I had mentors at MSU. I had, I had, a, I had an athletic training advisor who pretty much said to me, hey, Nasha, you know, you're a great athletic trainer. You should look in grad programs in athletic training, which I was. Sure. He was pretty much said to me, and, you know, you might be spinning your wheels trying to get into med school, you know. And I kind of said, okay, well. I'll show you. I'll spin. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll spin. I'll, I'll, I'll Let do me spin. I'll, yeah, I said yeah. I'll do it again. And when I got into med school, you know, um, two years removed from being a student of any kind, um, then having get thrown into basic science classes, which are the hardest classes I've ever taken, having exams thrown at you every week. So now you're not only was I two years removed from being a student, but now I have to be the best highly functioning student I've ever been in my entire life. Okay, I'm gonna fail right away, and I did. Um, genetics, physiology, biochemistry. Like, I was like, I, I was like, in med school, there's passing and there's not passing. You have to hit that passing. You have to hit that whatever it is, whatever that class is. It could be a 70%, sure. 75%. If I got a 74 in a class, I needed a 75. And it didn't matter if I thought a 74 was great for biochemistry. It's still not passing. No. You know? Mm-hmm. So... You know, and then I had professors who I'm like trying to get extra help. I'm going to office hours and they're like, hey, you know, I don't know if you can do what your classmates are doing, you know. And then uh, I met with the committee in med school, the, the committees you don't want to meet with, the committee when you're a struggling student, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I had you know, nine people bearing down on me. One of them, our associate dean, is like saying, why should we believe you can do anything your peers are doing? Why should we keep you here? And I kind of... Um, back at that time, even though I was scared and anxiety filled and I didn't really know what I was going to do to survive, I kind of looked at him and I said, well, I'm here for a reason. I know how to talk to people. I know how to I have a good bedside manner. I know how to be a clinician. It's being a clinician that got me here. Yep. So I said, get me to year three and four, which is the clinical years, and I'll show you yep. that I can do everything yep. my peers are doing and, and more. Did. Yeah. So by some act of God, I survived the first year or two in medical school. Um, worked hard, you know, um, but um, but it was funny. I met with that committee again uh, before I graduated. I think they just wanted to say bye to me because I'd met with them so many times. Sure. <laughs> and uh, and I just kind of said, I told you I was going to do what my peers are doing. I told sure. you, didn't I? You know, and by that time now they have all my evaluations of sure. kind of my clinical years. And uh, in residency, the same kind of thing. Residency was more clinical. I did better. Sure. But residency was, again, it wasn't taking multiple choice tests all the time. It was actually how good are you at being a doctor. And you still have step board exams to take, and then you have your family medicine boards to take. And I still struggle with those. But at the same time, you pass them. You get them out of the way. You do what you have to do. Sure. And then you want to go, you want to do fellowship. Well, you still have to be competitive for fellowships, you know. So I would like to think that. When sportsmen fellowship interview time came, it was now it wasn't so much about the test scores. It was about what has this guy done in sure, his life. Sure. You, you know, look at all of the sports medicine experience this guy has. Right. You know? And uh, that's what really set me up to mm-hmm. 
be able to do a sportsman fellowship anymore right. because that also is hard to do. You know, there's only 200 some fellowship spots yeah, in the okay. nation, yeah. and you have 2,000, 3,000 applicants for 200 some spots. Yeah. You know, so getting to be a sportsman fellow is not guaranteed. Sure. You know, so and then getting to work at we already talked about this getting to work at a division one college right. right out of fellowship at a place that doesn't know you right that took a lot of belief from the guy who gave me the job right you know so i'm always going to be very thankful to dr jackson sure. for giving me the opportunity because at the end of the day it was he who needed to believe exactly. in me exactly so i think the moral story why do i have to go on this long diatribe with people is because i pretty much tell med students high school students and late training students you're only limited by what you are capable of doing. Mm -hmm. Don't listen to anybody at all about what you are capable of doing. Because if I listened to what I was supposed to be capable of doing, I would not, have gotten, yeah. Yeah. would have not gotten in yeah. med school, would not survive med school. Right. Um, it was almost, it, had, it became this, it became almost like I started becoming not cocky about it, but I became like, please tell me I can't do something. Please. I'll show you. Please tell me yeah, I yeah, can't yeah, do yeah, something. Yeah. I'm, I'm begging you to tell me yeah. I can't do something. Yeah, yeah. Please. Because all I've done now is made a career about looking, making people look like yeah. And that's something I take a kind of a selfish pride in a little bit. That the same professor, the same athletic training advisor who told me I was spinning my wheels by trying to go to med school. I made sure he was the first person to get an invite to my med school graduation <laughs> party. You know, and he was there. He yeah. came, and he was. Of he did, and he hugged me, and he was, said he was proud of me, Absolutely. and all this. And I hugged him, and I said thank you for everything. Absolutely. But in the back of my mind, yeah. this is where I'm talking about yeah, having yeah. a good memory. I don't let go of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of said, I'm glad you support me now sure. because that was once upon a time you didn't. Yeah. The path is yeah. the path is amazing, and you talked about you talked about appreciating smelling the roses. Um, I have a mentor um, right now myself who always taught me, and he's teaching me that everything has a lifespan. And I think there's balance from what you're saying. There's balance. Appreciate what you're doing, but don't discount thinking about what's next because if you you go back and you listen to this thing, and if you didn't have that attitude of what's next, you wouldn't be where you are today. Understand that, okay? You have to have what we call a growth mindset. You have the growth okay. mindset. But, again, there's balance. Life there's is balance. about balance. balance yeah. You have to yeah. smell the roses, but you also have to consider, okay, what's next? Because otherwise, you'd be mediocrity. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't be. So this is what, and I'll, and I'll say his name, Dr. Trevor Neal. Um, he, he's a great mind. He, he's, he's a mentor of mine, and he's taught me, okay, everything has a lifespan. Be prepared to what you're going to do next, that next move. You know, and you're teaching me right now. Appreciate what you have. Well, I mean, it's my, 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 I've been looking at my dad, too. You know, like, sure. He didn't sit on, I'm a general surgeon, I'm going to do general surgery, and what I know is good enough. He kept moving forward. He kept on going yes. to courses. He brought the first single port gallbladder surgery to the yeah. sector of Michigan and all this other stuff. Like He never stopped getting educated. Right. And my parents, at least, one of the great things about them is they always pushed on me the importance of education. Right. You know? And people. And people. And, and relationships. And, and, and thanking those mm -hmm. who have done so much right. for you. Right. Letting people know while you are here on this right. earth. Right. And you, this is a you great know. example. And I've talked about this before in podcasts. You're a product of the product. 
Yeah, it's about <laughs> absolutely. So I mean, it, and that year at Portland, even though it was spent, first part of it was spent trying to get into med school, and then I finally I got into med school in October. I got to be an athletic trainer at high school for the rest of that year. For the rest of that year, I'm just an athletic trainer because all I'm, I'm saying, okay, I get to just enjoy my job now. I'm starting med school in June. I get to make yeah. a little money right now. Yeah. And then April rolled around, and I'll remember this. Um, this is one day I'm always going to I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm, in Port, I'm in Portland, Michigan, which is the side of Sturgis. Okay, I'm driving to work half-hour day because I live in Lansing. Um, April came around, and I started getting the cookies on my desk. I started getting the cards saying, thank you for everything you've done for our kids. Thank you for everything you've done for my kid. And I'm looking at it like, I just did my job. I didn't do anything phenomenal here. And that year, I come back to that year because that year really made me appreciate you, made me appreciate Sturges a little more. Because again, like I said, when I thought that when I was in high school, I just had to get out, I had to make my own identity at MSU. It really brought me back to, hey, you know what? Small towns aren't all bad, okay? They're not all places where people are gossiping about you. And if you get a speeding ticket, the whole town finds out the next day and all this other stuff. Like, they can actually be communities that can embrace you and sure. appreciate what you do. And, you know, at least my dad, I don't think my mom saw that a lot here. Sure. And uh, that I would come back now more frequently after that. And I would be like, you know, this, this town ain't bad, you know, and this, uh, the people here are good and people here deserve a doctor like my dad. Right. They deserve an athletic trainer like you. They deserve, you know, people who care about the community and do things, you know. So that year at Portland really taught me, like, appreciation. Appreciate for mm -hmm. what, where I was mm -hmm. and the community I was part of. Sure. Sure. And then really, again, it was one of those, that was the first year where I was like, there's so much I regret about high school that I didn't remember. You know, even then, even in 2005, when I was at Portland High School, I'm looking back on Sturgis. I just graduated from like five, six years ago. I was like, I did not take enough time to enjoy the things I was part of, which propelled me to where I am, sure. getting about to get into med school, being a part of a great athletic training program at MSU, having the experiences I did as an athletic trainer at MSU, propelling me to med school. It's because of Sturgis, you know. And I think that would be my message to like you know anybody who's in high school here. Like, don't get locked into the fact that Sturgis is a small town. Oh my God, there's much to do here and blah blah blah. It is the experiences you have here can propel you to greater things. You just have to let it. But also, don't be afraid to remember. Like, don't be afraid to stop and smell the roses here. Sure. And remember. Sure. Because you're only gonna get one time in high school. Right. So, and I right. feel like I did. That was the other thing. I did so much in high school. You, you did. Know, I, was, I was their role model. I was a peer listener. I was right. in band. I was in orchestra. I was in Stern. I was an athletic training student. Um, and I remember the people. I remember the friends I had. Who do you remember? Well, I mean, I'm still close with the people I stay in contact with. You sure. know, like, uh, so I was one of those people that I always felt like I kind of was a friend to anybody who wanted to come up and talk to me, you know, kind of thing. Like, I was a friend to the people, really. Whether people wanted me to sit down at their lunch table is a different story, but, like, uh, my close, my tight-knit group who, I'm, you know, I still talk to Travis, Mike Linus, I sure. still talk to Ben Ellis, I talk to Dan, Dan Brenner I just saw, like, you know, a few days ago. Uh, Joe Ferrer and I, you know, we, I still talk to him, so... Yeah, I had Nikki Eichenberg and um, 
you know, I, I still have like my core group of friends that I remember, but you know, I mean, Lexi Cronkite and I, I mean, I think she follows me on Instagram. I follow her in the same thing. Social Colleague. media is amazing. Yeah, isn't it? Colleague yeah. And it's funny, like I went to my 10 year reunion here and the first, like, I feel like I heard this a dozen times. Why aren't you on Facebook? <laughs> you know? And I, and I kind of was like, at the time, I was like, I don't know why I'm not on Facebook. I just, I don't know. You know, like, I just, I'm not, you know? So that was the other thing is like, I saw through Facebook, like how interconnected these other friends of mine who I went to high school were because of Facebook. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter mainly in a professional sense, you know? Sure. Um, but, uh, but you know, there's a Facebook page associated with Coffee with Doc, right? I, I imagine there will oh, be. Oh, there is. And it's, it's pretty <laughs> hilarious, actually. Yeah, my friends threatened to uh, form a Facebook group, people who would be friends with Nash if he Nash. was on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> my friends from MSU keep threatening to do that. That's so, uh, so in concluding, what would you want to conclude with here? No, I just, you know, I, again, I, I don't ever mean to be long-winded and talk a bunch. Of this is phenomenal. You know, this is phenomenal. People that are listening are going to think this is phenomenal. No, I, don't, I feel like I'm putting people to sleep here. but Yeah, well, um, you're not. So no. go on. Well, I mean, it's just... I don't look back on anything I have done as like, you know, like look at this accomplishment. Well, of course you would. Freedom. Of course you would. Like again, it's always the next thing, you know. But uh, at the same time, it's like uh, I think that's the main part of my story that I would pretty much tell people is, like, you know, don't listen to what anybody else tells you you are capable of doing. You know, you want to do something, you'll figure out a way to do it. Um, you know, and I say that knowing full well that I had great opportunities given to me, my parents giving me opportunities to do things and all that. But even people who may not have had the opportunities I grew up with, you know, some of the best people, most successful people I went to med school with, the people who had to scrounge and scrap and scrape to be there, you know, um, people who also got rejected from med school multiple times, people who didn't do so hot on the MCAT multiple times. Now they are amongst the best doctors that I know, and their offices are full, and their patients can't get in with them. Sure, you know. So we have one right now. Know, we have a know, guy at U of so, M that had a hard time for yeah. many years, and he's probably going to be one of the best doctors yeah, anywhere. So it's, it's one of those things that the process is the process. The process will always be the process, right. but the end, at the end, the end. Yeah, you can only do it once, but you're all the better for that struggle. Sure. You know, because people who get those things to them easily, or people who are able to coast through med school, coast through residency, they might not be the doctors you want to see. Right. You know. Um, so it's it's uh, being able to look at what you have, be thankful for what you have, but also not being afraid to challenge yourself. Be like, you know, I I do want to be a team physician right out of fellowship at a Division One college. I'm not going to stop until I do that. Until I am. So even if that means I'm going to send 15 universities an email and my CV saying, hey, do you have an opportunity for me? I only need one place to believe it. Right. Oh, yep. And I got that. So, you, got um, you know, it's 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 it's, uh, it's pretty much that. It's You're only limited by what it is you want sure. to do, really. You know? Along the way, though, you need to have people supporting you. You need to have people who are... Who are there to yep. cry on? Yep. Who are there to hug you? Yep. Are, I think the big thing about this town, if I can just say one more thing, is you're always going to have the people who pat you on the back for doing great things, and who say they're proud of you and all this stuff. But 
you want to know that there are those people there who, when you're not in a good place, you are failing. When you feel like you're not going to pass another exam, when you feel like you don't have it in you to go to work the next day, when you feel like you don't know what the next move is because this place just rejected you, this place just rejected you, like you didn't get into this res, you didn't get into this fellowship. You gotta, it's not the people who are there patting you on the back and supportive of you during your high times. It's the people mm-hmm. who are there during your low times, right. you know, and there was a moment there in med school where I thought I was about to get kicked out, you know, and my best friend, who's like my brother, um, who pretty much is my brother, according to my mom, because she's adopted him, uh, Brian Rada, who I lived with in med school. Mm-hmm. And now he's the director of sports medicine at University of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I went to MSU together, mm-hmm. um, you know. He, uh, I lived with him in med. I lived with him in med school, and uh, you know, like I said, his kids are like my nieces, and I'm their uncle. But he, uh, he lifted me up during a lot of those dark times and said, "No, I believe in you. You can do this." And now, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was the team physician for CMU women's basketball in the MAC tournament last year. He was the athletic trainer for University of Buffalo women's basketball. Our two teams met in the champ- Our two teams met in the, in the championship game. Wonderful. And before that we both kind of hugged each other we took a moment and we said you know he looked at me and said i always knew you were going to do this and i'm just you know he said i seeing you be a team physician for a major college like i'm so proud of you sure. and i looked at him and i saw him being a director of sports what he wanted to for do. a major mm-hmm. college and i said i'm so proud of you you know yeah. and uh because and you and it was one of those moments where you start crying because sure. it's like he believed in me during a moment where I was about to get kicked out of medical school for failing a lot, you know, and this is a time when there aren't people patting you on the back right. for struggling. No. There aren't people who are like, I'm so proud of you. Like, where are those people? Where are those people who are the, not the fake people, but the people who are only around in the good times, you know, it's not those people. Those people are great to have around, but it's mainly the people who are there during the dark times. Sure. The downtime. It's the true friends yeah. that come out. And, yeah. and we, we, my family just went through a, a oh, yeah. situation. We, we really found out who, and, and to much our surprise, were the people who really cared and, and supported us. So I understand what you're saying there. So, but it was, that happened before the game. And then for 60 minutes, it's like, okay, now we're not talking to each other. Yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then at the end of the game, when my team won, and you know, I'm the one now with the hat and the t-shirt and the, and the ring, but he got that like a two years ago. So I was rooting for him yeah, when he got it, but he and his family were right there on the court with me, even nice. though they were wearing the opposite colors, they were there celebrating with me because they know, because when you go through that with somebody, you know, what they've been through, trenches, foxholes. You know? exactly. Yes. Exactly. So, I would just pretty much tell people, remember those people who are with you in the times where you need lifting up because those are the true, there'll always be people who are around be at your graduation party, but you know, um, the people who are there when it doesn't look like you graduate, those are people who you really need to thank every day. Sure. This this has been phenomenal, Nash. I mean, uh, you know, just, just being with you is, uh, is great. And uh, just listening to the story. I mean, I knew most of the story. I, I learned a, a few things here today, um, but hopefully our listeners will uh, will get a takeaway and uh, and understand uh, the path that you took and the success that you have. But it wasn't easy, and you were challenged. You were challenged in many different ways, and um, I remember each and every one of those challenges that you included me in, and I appreciate that. 
and um, this has been phenomenal. So thanks for the uh, thanks for the time and and the support. And um, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that you uh, you gave me a lot. You know, you did a lot for me. Now it's my chance to do a lot for other people. So there are other people out there listening who, you know, I can be of assistance to in any way. I hope they reach out, you know, because like I try to do that for people. If I can help people reach what they want to do in life, sure. there were people who did that for me. Yes. There were people who didn't do that for me. There were people who right. weren't there. You pay forward. But uh, what you, do about? That, you do that for people. Right. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for our supporters out there and uh, those of you around the world that are listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, go ahead and share and uh, get people interested and we'll keep this thing going. And uh, you can be a, a patron. Uh, you press the patron button and it'll uh, give you some suggestions on how you can support what's going on here. Thanks a lot, Nash. And uh, it's been nice talking with you. And uh, you too. We're proud of you. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it.